It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. Try interacting with me during the show today on Twitter, Talk Law Radio 1, or Facebook Live. This is 9.30 a.m. The Answer, uh, but you can also listen on Apple Podcasts, uh, talklawradio.com, or you can stream live on 9.30 a.m. TheAnswer.com. Marquardt Law Firm is sponsoring our show today. Attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. New businesses and old businesses, which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, FLPs, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like in guardianships, probate, or in a jury trial. Our new attorneys, Daniel Palmer and Alex Fulmer, can advocate for you in a courtroom trial. Check out our blog at marquartlawfirm.com to read about the virtual Zoom jury trial. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law. But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case and laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing or failing to do your will. Please help Charlie Agar and me give good information to the listeners about bees, honey, and related law today. Help us to use the gifts and talents that you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. Today's show, our guest with us is Charlie Agar. By day, Charlie runs Front Row Media, a small media marketing consultancy. But he's quick to drop everything to go to work uh, as owner of Charlie Bee Company. Charlie removes and rehomes nuisance bee colonies, coaches new beekeepers, and leases honeybees for ag valuation in Comal, Guadalupe, Hayes, and Bear Counties. Charlie is also the subject of a reality TV series now in production. 
Learn more about Charlie and the bees at charliebee.com. Charlie, welcome to the show. Todd, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Tell us how you got started. So I fell into beekeeping. I had, you know, I'd always been kind of interested in bees and and uh, but and and nature, right? Mm-hmm. But I got dragged to a presentation uh, by a beekeeper by the name of Kirk Tubbs. He ran a little berry farm, Kirk, uh, the Tubbs Berry Farm in southern Idaho. Uh, kind of got dragged to it reluctantly. Oh, and get into this. He started talking about bees and the fact that there's one queen and the colony can be 15,000 bees. And they can produce 50, 100, 150 pounds of honey per year. And how they're important to our ecology and to our agriculture. And I just had more questions. I think the first question I asked him was how do you make queens? And he's like, whoa, 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 slow down. <laughs> that's that's beekeeping 103. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he also happened to sell all the stuff. And I said, just take my money and uh, I never look back. I moved back to Texas in 2014. And I had a friend with a nuisance bee colony. And I said, okay, after watching a few hours of YouTube and uh, getting all kinds of bad advice, I decided – Yep, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it. So I removed. The, I did a terrible job. Did everything wrong. The bees didn't stay. But oh, I was wow. totally hooked. I was like, oh my gosh! And so that has kind of flourished into a, a side business now, a big part of our income and a lot of my activity. And I, I I love it. It's just it's so much fun. Yeah, that is so interesting. So the law touches the beekeeping industry in a lot of different ways. And what made me most interested about what you do is how you help people lease bees so that they can uh, get the agricultural production um, valuation for property tax purposes. So uh, I I do want to talk about that a little bit, and I'll I'll reference the statutes and regulations um, just so that uh, nerds like me can look it up later. Um, but just share with us what your practical experiences in doing that. So I think it became an option thanks to the Texas legislature in something like 2010. I'm correct, I may be wrong mm-hmm. on that. That folks can qualify for agri- agricultural tax valuation. A lot mm-hmm. of folks like to say exemption. That's essentially that's the the money side of it. Right. Really, what you're doing is creating an agricultural purpose on your property using honeybees, and so it's been a real boon to to beekeepers, commercial beekeepers, and small. Like I'm I'm, I'm uh, called a sideline beekeeper, mm-hmm. um, more than a hobbyist, but not a commercial beekeeper. Um, so it's it's great. I get to earn a little passive income from my hives being on your property to uh, help you qualify for an agricultural purpose and uh and thereby you know get a nice tax break and uh and also you're you're doing good things with your land um you're uh a lot of the counties require some sort of planting or at least um monitoring of what you're growing that Mm -hmm. that is helping your bees as well so um it's it's a really neat law it's up for um we're in our legislative session right now, mm-hmm. so there are some 
some proposals and some things on the floor talking about um, standardizing the rules for ag valuation with bees across the state because there are some claims of abuse that people are uh, running kind of nefarious rent-a-bee operations, mm-hmm. dropping bees off. And you bees. said also that the the way that each county um, does this is is different from county to county. That's right. It's it's different county to county. So um, I just started a project in Hayes County, and they they're very strict on uh, com- compared to other counties I've worked in to what what's going to qualify. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, you really it's a it's a question of talking to your appraisal district. There are some uh, tax consult consultation like ag tax consultation firms that I've referred clients to. Um, I don't handle the paperwork and the dealing with the county. I'm just the, I'm the B guy. I'm a turnkey. Uh, I don't like the rent, the rent a bee, but I, that's essentially what I am. I bring bees to you. Um, but it's, it's more than just dropping bees off. It's a partnership. I don't do this with everybody. Well, let's talk about the differences between how you do it and the rent a bee situation. Sure. Uh, we're going to go for a break, right, Mark? Okay. So before we go for a break, I wanted to tell the audience that we have some uh, potential giveaways. We've got some uh, jars of honey. Not really a jar, but Charlie says we can still call it a jar. This is one pound, and if you call in and ask an interesting question, uh, we'll give away a a jar of honey. Um, So uh, you can call in at 210 308-8867 that's our number here at the radio station today 210-308-8867 stay with us we will talk more about the property valuation using agricultural production when we come back If you recently moved to Texas from out of state, your current will, trust, and power of attorney may need to be reviewed and updated. Wills and powers of attorney are state-specific, so it might be a good idea to meet with a Texas attorney. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trust, and powers of attorney. They'll develop a strategy to tax-efficiently protect and preserve your assets, reduce family conflict, and maximize government benefits. Call today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Markport. We're here with Charlie Agar, a beekeeper for Charlie Bee Company, and he helps people that want to establish a bee colony on their land, their farm, their ranch, uh, if and they can possibly um, apply for the agricultural pr- production um, for property tax purposes. So, Charlie, you mentioned that you're not rent-a-bee, you're different. So what's the problem with rent-a-bee, and then how does what you do uh, make things better? Oh, nothing wrong with rent-a-bee. I mean, I don't is – that, is that a company, rent-a-bee? I don't know. I've you, seen folks you, advertising it. You said it. I'm not rent-a-bee. Yeah, there, it's, I've seen folks sort of advertising it, and there's – like I said, there's billboards in Dallas. Um, I It's a partnership. 
I'm you're you're getting into the B business on your property. You've also got a beekeeper coming on your property. So mm-hmm. um I I want to have a relationship with the people there. I've had I've had folks ask me uh, to put bees on raw land where they're not there, um, and really the at the end of the day, that's just uh, folks trying to save money on taxes. I need to know that my bees are going to be safe. Mm-hmm. I know that you're going to be safe from the bees. So really starts with a consultation. We're going to go out and visit, and uh, I'm going to get to know you. You got to be close to where I am. So um, I serve a very uh, limited area. There are a lot of other beekeepers, and I've, I've referred folks out as well. So um, do we have somebody with a question? Sure do. Oh, great. A friend of mine calls me the bee Nazi. It's like no bees for you, right? <laughs> so, so you have to, like, qualify. <laughs> I can't see the screen, Mark. Who is it? Yeah, Debbie. Debbie. Okay. You're live Hello. on the air, Debbie. What's your question? How much room would a person need to raise bees? Good question, Debbie. So uh, really there are no uh, ordinances that I know of in any area that would stop you from raising bees. When I started uh, working bees, I I was a bachelor. I had a third of an acre in downtown New Braunfels, and I had a good relationship with my neighbors, and I just brought bees onto my property. Probably not a great plan on a third of an acre. Um, you don't want to mow near bees. So um, I now do not keep bees on our property at all. My wife and I live – we have a you know normal-sized home mm-hmm. just a little over a third of an acre. I don't keep bees there. I keep bees on ranch property just uh, liability-wise. It's nice to have a little elbow room with bees. But backyard beekeeping is very doable. Um, the key there, Debbie, is to make sure you keep gentle bees, and that means um, staying on top of them, um, knowing how what kind of queen you have, and that's that means ongoing learning. So you're going to buy some bees, uh, and you, year one, there's a whole bunch to learn. Year two, there's a lot more to learn because if those bees are, in fact, successful, now you've got to take and divide that colony. Uh, we are in the heart of the of Africanized bee country. If you do nothing to your bees, bees will reproduce. And by reproducing, that means that original gentle queen will fly off. They think they've got enough resources to survive winter. Half of that colony flies off with your original queen, and you get a new and you get uh, the hive will raise a new queen, which will mate with local drones. Local drones in Central Texas, ninety nine 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 times out of ten. Africanized. And so what does that mean? So it means your gentle, gentle colony that you bought year one and, and nurtured up uh, and, you, and they, they swarmed on you. They, they reproduced. Now, year two, they're a feral colony. They're very defensive. They're, uh, you can't mow near them. You can't be near them. So, What is it about uh, bees from Africa that makes them more um, scary? So Africanized bees came here uh, via Brazil. Uh, a scientist in Brazil wanted to raise a tropical bee, went to South Africa in the 50s. And then those bees moved, were, got loose in Brazil and moved up. Uh, the first case of Africanized bees in the United States, I believe, was in Brownsville in like 1990. 
And as a kid, I don't think you're old enough to remember this, Todd. As a kid, I remember the killer bees are coming. Well, the killer bees are here. You know, Mm -hmm. they're really here. And so since about 1990, um, Africanized genetics uh, is definitely an issue. So, Debbie, if you've got a a small parcel of land, you just want to – you can do bees. There's nothing stopping you. Uh, A little PR with your neighbors helps and and honey – Kind of helps with that. <laughs> so I always gave my neighbors honey. They seem to like that. And the the problem too, as a beekeeper, if you've got bees on your property, anyone in the neighborhood who sees a, bee, a flying stinging insect, mm-hmm. they'll say, "Hey, Debbie, your bees over here. You better come get them." <laughs> so so um, you have to kind of prepare for that. And I always suggest, if possible, uh, find a friend with some some elbow room, some land mm-hmm. uh, away from cattle, away from uh, horses. Uh, protected from hogs if possible. Hogs will knock over hives, that kind of thing. So, Okay, let's take another question. Thank you, Debbie. Uh, we have Mick. You're live on the air. Hi. I've got, uh, I've got a piece of land. I've already got a wilderness exemption for it just for, you know, supplemental food, water, that kind of thing. But I have natural honeybees there, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is cool. What, do you know what I can do to help them thrive or do well? They're kind of hidden in the woods right now in a in the in a big old tree oh cool well be careful uh (laughs) give them some elbow room um you know the interesting thing people ask me that often like what can i do to incur you know protect pollinators or to to save the bees and and uh really it's in my mind it's about habitat um, there are a, a number of pressures on bees. Some of them internal. There's a there's a mite that uh, really plagues bees, and uh, and then there's also um, various viruses that the mite carries that can really bother bees. There's of course things like pesticides. So using pesticides correctly is important. Not spraying pesticides on a flowering plant, for example, that would attract bees. Um, but really, um, it's Could about he plant something. Sure, or? it couldn't hurt bees. Forage in about a three mile radius, so you'd have to work really hard and plant a lot to satisfy a colony. Um, so your bees, you know, the more you let your your wildflowers grow, and uh, beekeepers talk about wanting to live near a lazy farmer. You know, a lazy farmer lets the weeds grow in his ditches, and so the more weeds and, and uh, wildflowers you got, the better. Um, but uh, but like I said, it's a it's a it's a bigger picture if you think about a three mile radius. Um, so unless you've got that that kind of property, um, but everything you do is to the good. You know, if you're planting lemongrass, verbena, um, all kinds of good you know good flowering plants, your bees are going to love it. Thank you for the question. We will give you a call on Monday and get your address and and uh, contact you. Thank you for the question. Thank you. Okay, so um, I wanted to mention that you're a part of, like, some bee organizations where people can join and, and get more information. Yes. Will you mention that? Yes, indeed. So getting involved with a bee club is really if, so. If you want to become a beekeeper, uh, I think the first step is to get around other beekeepers. Mm-hmm. Um, I benefited from my mentor. His name's Al Friedel. I met him at the San Marcos Bee Wranglers, and uh, I find beekeepers in general to be very welcoming, 
well, you know, it's a little tribe of hobbits that we just love to play with bees and learn new things about bees and share ideas about bees. And uh, we c- it can even become contentious because people get really opinionated about this and that. So, But it's a real fun uh, sharing of ideas. So in our area, we've got the Alamo area beekeepers, big club, bee, uh, bees in the east out in Marion, um, San Marcos Bee Wranglers, Comal County Beekeepers Association, and there are probably more. We also have a state organization. I'm, a, I'm an area director for the Texas Beekeepers Association. That's so it's an elected position for – it's a huge membership. I mean it's mm-hmm. just a giant organization. Bee clubs join the Texas Beekeepers Association as do individual beekeepers. And we have annual events. COVID's put a damper on that a little bit. Um, but but like everywhere, we've adapted to be able to meet virtually. But um, no, if you that's – when people ask me, I want to become a beekeeper, mm-hmm. what do I do? I say, uh, you know, get involved in a club. Uh, find a mentor. Um, I teach. I get. I do one-on-one teaching. It costs. So, and there are a number of bee supply places in the area. Gretchen Bee in Seguin, and there's a few in San Antonio where you can probably pay and take a class and buy equipment. That's not a bad way to start. Um, but like I said, the clubs are. If you've got the time, it's it's fun, and, mm-hmm. and I find people very welcoming. Beekeepers are great. Nerdy like that. Yeah. Thank you for that information. I wanted to mention a court case because uh, we were talking about the property tax valuation. Um, the The name of the case is uh, Pizziola versus Galveston County uh, Central Appraisal District, and this was from 1991. And the question was, are bees like cows? So the rancher wanted to put a box of bees you can describe what that is in, in just a moment uh, on the property and and get the the production valuation for the whole 60 acres and the court said that um well one one box of bees only um will will lower the valuation for a certain number of acres not not the whole land and the landowners said well we have bees flying around everywhere on our land and they said nice try so it's it's not as easy as it sounds or you would think you have to um, satisfy all types of requirements so you need to look at those regulations and like charlie said each county does it a little differently so you're going to have to talk with them as well um, so going back to the, the box of bees, can you describe briefly what all is in there? Sure, yeah. So it's interesting. The technology we use in beekeeping today was established in the 1800s. The movable frame hive was invented by this gentleman named Langstroth. Who, uh, so before that, they kept bees in, in what were called skeps. And you, you kind of see it like uh, what would you see like a Winnie, Winnie the Pooh looking hive? Oh, right. Looks like an overturned basket. Mm-hmm. Um, that is called a skep, and and for thousands of years, people kept bees and things like skeps and uh, stones and logs. The problem with that is if you go to do anything to manipulate the bees, you tear the whole thing apart. So mm-hmm. uh, there was it, it's tech, recent technology, 1800s. Uh, created uh, the movable frame hive. So we basically have a box with uh, frames that are a specific – it's actually three-eighths of an inch apart. Langstroth mm-hmm. discovered bee space 
It's the space in which uh, there's enough room for the bees to work and stand back to back, but not so much room that they, they hang another comb because bees are master architects. Mm-hmm. So he sort of discovered this instinct in the bees to build just so. So what you have with bees is boxes, and uh, there's you know nine and five eighths inch deep and ten, eight or ten frames wide. And you stack them. So, um, you know, the, the baby bees fill the first two boxes typically. And then when you get into honey production, which we're coming up into here in probably early May, I start adding what are called supers, super being above. So boxes you above stack it, stack up, it up, up and they fill it up with honey. Those are called honey supers. And then and then come end of June or early July, I ro- they call it robbing the hive. Bees, bees got to pay their rent. I take, I take <laughs> that honey off and uh, uh, extract it and sell it. Okay, so we're going to take another break, but I wanted to remind you that uh, we've got more honey. Um, the next thing we're going to give away is a five-pound jar. Charlie says that's about half a gallon. And so call in with an interesting question, and we will uh, get your phone number. And you'll probably have to pick that up from the office of Marquardt Law Firm because it would be too expensive for me to mail to you. Uh, So stay tuned. You can call at 210-308-8867, 
So uh, real estate agents like to say location, 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 right? So it's what the bees eat. It's where they are. So if you're in an area with orange blossoms, you're going to get orange blossom honey. Clover honey is kind of your uh, grocery store standard. Um, I call my honey uh, Comal County Liquid Sunshine. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a hill country honey with a you know spring wildflower, um, mesquite. Uh, we have a real strong run of horse mint typically in our area, which is a which is a lighter honey. But the the mesquite and the wildflower is kind of a darker honey. So um, I was going to ask you about the color because you got three jars yep. there, and they're slightly all different. different. They're slightly mm-hmm. different. So I'm a small producer, so I don't really distinguish uh, one area to the next. And literally, you can open a hive and you can see different colored honey on a, the same frame. So it's really what the bees are finding, what they're bringing in. Um, a lot of places, you know, south of here, uh, there's a really well-known honey producer, Youngblood Honey, and uh, they do huahia honey, which is that huahia flower. It's a very light honey, delicious. Um, I, Whenever I go somewhere new, I love buying local honey. I, I love to just get get a sample of it. If I'm at a farmer's market, mm-hmm. I love to go talk to a beekeeper, ask them what their bees get on. You said that um, you sell at the farmer's market. Correct. Where is this? So there's a farmer's market in New Braunfels. New Braunfels Farmer's Market is Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. right next to Krause's Cafe in downtown New Braunfels. I'm on hiatus from the market. I have too much going on in the bees. And so I'm typically at the market from harvest season, which is July, right through uh, Christmas and New Year, uh, and then a little beyond. So, Well, thanks for the question. Uh, we do have one more thing to give away. And, Charlie, why don't you explain what it is? So a passion of mine is, uh, like people did for me, uh, helping me get into bees and beekeeping. It's There's nothing better than going into a bee yard and opening in a hive with someone who's not freaked out by it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so um, I offer, it's really for people who want to get into beekeeping. It's a two-hour introductory uh, for one or two people. Uh, we meet in New Braunfels, uh, in an area just south of New Braunfels, a nature area. Um, the bees are very gentle. Uh, we talk for a bit. We suit up and make sure everybody's safe and go through some safety protocols. And we get our hands into bees. So um, I'm, I offer that as a regular uh uh, bee tour, um, typically on weekends, but I schedule it uh, whenever folks can can do so, and uh, and I'd like to offer that to someone who uh, who'd be interested. Okay, cool. Well, we have Philip. Uh, he'll be on hold for a second, but we'll see what his question is and get his info and awesome. see if he wants to take the plunge. Great. <laughs> so you wear the suit because you don't want to get stung. That's right. We have somebody? Okay, Philip. You're live on the air. What's your question? Hi. The, uh, my question is I, I have some property about a, co- a couple hours out of San Antonio, and I got a, 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 some bees to put out there, and they did not do well. Mm. And so my question is they, they did well for about six months, and then – I got. I came out to check on them, and in the hive, all of the um, the wax was real brittle, and there were these wasp-looking things in there, and 
I just wondered if you have any guesses to what those are. So were there bees in there as well? There were some bees in there with the wasps. Were yes, there? But, uh, they, they, but there were a ton of dead bees mm-hmm. on the ground. Underneath. So a lot of times there's things that uh, invade hives. There's a wax moth. There's small hive beetle. Um, but really those are more like vultures on the carcass. Um, they're, uh, they're post-mortem. So the hive probably failed on its own. If, if you're like me, that's how, that's how most of my hives go. It's not, it's not the invasion of something except for something you can't see, which is the, the varroa mite or varroa destructor. That's so a, what else would cause a hive to fail? So there's three things that – and this comes straight from one of my friends at Gretchen Bee Ranch, Mark, Mark Gretchen. Uh, there's three things I can control as a beekeeper. I can control the quality of the queen. So I can requeen or buy a queen or, or re- I know how old the queen is. There's uh, nutrition. And then the last and most important thing is varroa mites. So um, I need to be um, following protocols, testing for mites. And uh, as a beekeeper, I spend way too much time dealing with mites, way more than I like to. Um, I try to get bees that are uh, varroa resistant, and that's that's a genetic. And so that's kind of happening in the beekeeping world. But it is kind of a plague on bees. So if you if you put bees out and don't do anything, and they fail nine times out of ten, it is varroa mite. And then when you're seeing other critters in there, again, that's vultures on the carcass, not the, not the cause. That's the result. Thank can, you. Can for... I ask a follow-up question? Sure, yeah, go. I didn't know if you have people stacked up. So, you know, if somebody like me wants to have bees, and I will say that the, my land is out in Rock Springs, and with a lot of cactus, and when we did taste the honey, we never got to the point where we actually were able to harvest any honey because I was trying to build up the, the, the colony. But every, you know, with your hive tool, every now and then you get a little on there, and it was like almost minty and amazing. Sure. So I really want to try to get bees going again out there. What's the best time of the year to try to put a new hive in? Now's the time. This is. Uh, is it really? So this is when bees become available. Bees, if you purchase from an apiary supply, um, they typically sell out. Uh, pretty early, so the the early season bees, like if ideally you would have ordered your bees in October, November, and then pick them up now, and they'd be producing. You can probably pick up uh, what are called nucleus colonies, or very small established colonies, or package bees, probably in May. But this is the time to do it. Um, you might not. Be, having that late start with the honey flow, the nectar flow, you probably won't get honey year one. But it is a you know you get your bees established and start working with them. I always suggest people get more than one hive, so that when you lose it, uh, which you will lose hives over winter or even over our, our brutal summers, that you uh, that you have another hive or you have two hives to compare one to the other. So it is a journey becoming a beekeeper. It's I'm, I learn something every time I go into the, the bee yard. And I keep my ears open. I was listening to a podcast from a beekeeper on the drive here. So <laughs> always learning something yeah. new. Thank you, Philip. The thing that's amazing, and I have to say a statement for any of your listeners, you know, the thing that I loved the most about trying to do this, this, this beehive was how people would come with me and they would be terrified of bees. And then they would leave and they're no longer afraid of bees. Even my kids. 
you know, they don't look at them as an enemy because they go out there and they realize that the bees really weren't trying to sting them. They were just telling them to leave them alone. And so it really is amazing. Yeah, they are incredible. They are incredible. I do have some hives that 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 you, you... you might that might scare you. The my my feral colonies are pretty frightening, but but uh, yeah, by and large, if they're they're happy bees and taken care of and building up, they they uh, easy to work with. Okay, thank you, Philip. Thank you for the call. Uh, we're all out of gifts, uh, so we're just gonna uh, continue on with our program and talk about some more law. Um, we we talked about sort of how to get a nucleus or how to get the hive started. Uh, what's some other equipment that a beekeeper needs? Yeah, so um, one thing as a new beekeeper to get with other beekeepers is to find out um, what to buy. You can really buy yourself silly with beekeeping, and there's 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 ways to kind of limit your, your exposure, your expenditures in mm-hmm. year one. So you need boxes, you need hardware, you need a... You need some tools. You need a hive tool and a brush. You need protective equipment. You need a smoker, uh, a bee smoker. Um, a lot of the bee supply places will sell like a, a beginner package of, uh, of equipment, uh, that kind of thing. you got to buy bees too. Um, you wouldn't want to start like I started with feral colonies. You're going to want to buy gentle bees. So I tell people 1000 to $1,200 uh, to get rolling. Okay, we'll be right back. If you recently moved to Texas from out of state, your current will, trust, and power of attorney may need to be reviewed and updated. Wills and powers of attorney are state-specific, so it might be a good idea to meet with a Texas attorney. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trust, and powers of attorney. They'll develop a strategy to tax-efficiently protect and preserve your assets, reduce family conflict, and maximize government benefits. Call today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. We're talking about bees and honey and related law with Charlie Agar. He's the uh, Charlie Bee Company, and I I heard on one of your YouTube videos they call you the honey bear. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Or is that just your wife? (laughs) No, I'm like a bear. When I see – when I go do a removal – Friends of mine, they just get, they call me the badger or the bear because I I get once I get to where the bees are, I just rip and tear and get, <laughs> in and get after those bees. I'm eager to to get in and get them out. So, do we have another question? Okay, Ron, you're live on the air. What's your question? Yes, sir. Thank you. Just one more quick follow up question. I was wondering if there's any major nutritional difference between the what you see. Uh, marketed as raw or unfiltered honey as opposed to the the more clear um, honeys that have been obviously processed. Um, do you lose any nutritional value? Is there is there a discernible difference between the two? Yeah, so the, the, the dirty word in honey production is filtration, and filtration is like a heating process or like homogenization. Raw honey means it just comes off the comb. It's strained, so we want to uh, – my honey comes off the comb, 
into an extractor, so it's a it's a centrifuge, spins the honey off the frames, and then uh, it gets strained through a strainer to get any little bee parts or wax, try to get as much wax off as we can, and then it's just raw honey. Um, now I'm always careful to not to not be a snake oil salesman. People ask me a lot, you know, can honey cure my allergies? Mm-hmm. Um, can honey make me taller? Can honey make me smarter? <laughs> and the answer I'd say is yes. You should buy more. No, but uh, I have to be really careful with that because I don't want to make claims. But uh, there are enzymatic properties to honey that are meant to be good for the gut. Um, there are potential. So you are eating bits some pollen in in. The honey, so there's nectar and pollen uh, make up the honey. So you are eating pollen, and if you're eating local pollen that you're allergic to, you're essentially building up your immunity to that pollen. But again, it's theoretical. I'm really just a, a middleman for the bees. So. Thanks for the question. It, it helps helps me to uh, transition to that next topic about um, food. You're selling food, so what regulations do you have to abide by? There are um, – Texas is great. We have a uh, basically a cottage industry law, so I have to follow some labeling guidelines. I, you have to put on a warning for infants, so not to feed honey to infants under the age of 12 months. There's in theory – uh, no one's ever been, become sick from honey, but in theory, raw honey has uh, bacteria that the kind mm-hmm. of bacteria we have in our guts that infants don't have. Um, as a small producer, I really have to just follow some labeling guidelines and say this is not produced in a facility overseen by the state of Texas. And um, as you get larger and get onto shelves for an HEB, for example, you want what's called a food manufacturing license, and that means you're inspected by the state. Um, but I fall under basically farm and ranch operation, uh, cottage industry, mm-hmm. uh, honey extraction. Uh, as I grow, I'll probably get a, a um, uh, food manufacturing license. And then you can do things with a food manufacturing license like uh, infuse honey with different flavors, oh. process, and process in, in a good way, uh, mm-hmm. do, do different things with it. Right now I really just sell raw honey in jars and I make honey sticks and uh, and I'll sell pollen periodically. Okay. So when I looked up that uh, cottage industry law in Texas, I, I came up with Section 437.001 of the Health and Safety Code. It says basically that, you know, regular people can make things at home. And uh, honey's one of them, candy, fruit pies... Um, roasted coffee, you know, lots of things that you see people doing now on their own. And, and you mentioned the food labeling so that you're, you're warning people that um, you're not regulated. And then you have that warning not to give the honey to babies. Okay. So I did run across a couple of uh, court cases that where there was a dispute about buying and selling honey oh really interesting (laughs) so you gotta have a written contract and then uh you know try and meet the expectations of the the buyer uh so the these court cases are funny to me because uh one was from 1929 and one was (laughs) from 1922 uh people probably don't fight about that kind of thing anymore um and then there was a a bee transportation case 
where um, the there was a train going from San Antonio uh, to Mesilla in New Mexico, which is where nearby where I grew up in Alamogordo. So that was interesting to me. There was a thousand dollars in damages uh, because of the the train car handling a load of bees. So. We had a, a, a truckload of bees tip over over the winter. And beekeepers moved bees to California for almond pollination in January, and it was right down 35 near the Alamo. And I saw it. I heard it on KSAT, one of the mm-hmm. one of the news channels. And I jumped in my the bee mobile and I said, "Man, I'm gonna go help them." <laughs> so I actually drove. I got really close, and I was right on the on ramp. And there was a police officer, and he said, "Ah, there's already a guy up there with a." Uh, with a forklift, which is what they need, and they're but unfortunately, I think they had to spray them with foam. But uh, no, that is a tr- every year. There's one or two cases where when those bees are, I mean, going all across state lines, mm-hmm. one where a tractor trailer is going to flip over. So. Yeah, and because of the going across state lines, I, I saw there's a federal law in uh, the seven U.S. Code uh, chapter eleven honeybees and most of those regulations are for um, import and uh, transportation of uh, but but Texas law um, treats bees like agriculture I think you said that before mm-hmm. and let's talk a little bit about when you remove bees yeah because there's some potential liability there. Yeah, and that's too. my specialty. That's really a big part of my business is coming in and removing nuisance hives from walls and trees and underneath sheds. And, and so what do you meters. have to talk about with the homeowner? There's a lot. Uh, I spent a lot of time on the phone first identifying whether they're bees. I get a lot of calls for wasps and yellow jackets and Mexican honey wasps. And so I spend a fair bit of time making sure that it's in fact bees before I saddle up and go look at your situation. I don't charge unless you're really far away to come and look at them. And then we, um, I've got some tools I use to sort of determine where the bees are and how to get them out. Now, bees basically make a factory and they a lot of folks think that they can spray a little wasp spray on the mm-hmm. entrance and that's going to make the bees go away. Um, they they have a production facility inside the wall that's protected. Bees build in a cavity, right? That's why we give them boxes as beekeepers. Mm-hmm. So um, they're not really wanting to leave. They have mama laying eggs. They have uh, babies. They have food. Uh, and the bigger the hive, the more defensive. So um, there, these are complex situations I come into, and uh, I charge a fee uh, for my time and come out. And there's a number of really good bee removal experts all across the area. Um, so if you do run into bees, just hit Google and, and find a local beekeeper nut like myself. Okay, so you, you're in danger of being stung, but that's inher- that's an inherent risk of that's right. going in that's so right. you're not going to hold the homeowner liable for that um but you probably do have to warn them that you're going to uh, do some demolition so the demolition is the hardest part so if you've bees in your wall that's 
the bees aren't the problem to me. The bees are the are the easy part. Once I get to the bees, it's getting to the bees. So with a with a wall, and for example, today I'm going to Welder, Texas, where I'm going to be taking apart a, a stone pillar, and I've got a little contract language that we put down on paper. Um, I, the homeowner needs to know have expectations for what I'll be doing, which is gentle demolition do as little as i have to to get to where i need to go and i'll communicate with them along the way i don't replace i'm not a uh, i am a carpenter and a, and a, and i can build but that's not that's not the service i offer so what i leave you with is you know a hole in your wall typically and your bees gone mm-hmm. and uh, and a guarantee on that I, I i don't i don't leave you until you have no bees so once i once the job's not over till the bees are gone you might have to go back i have to go back periodically i try to avoid that as much as possible mm-hmm. by doing it but i also look for the queen if i in fact find the queen which sometimes is a needle in the haystack yeah. in these big uh, wall removals but um yeah, it's a complex process, and you do want somebody who's bonded and experienced. So I did see a court case where a guy tried to remove his own bees or or had somebody do it but didn't finish the job. Well, the his neighbor was mowing the lawn in between the, the two houses, and uh, I guess there was a swarm. They went after her. Bees really don't like lawnmowers. They is that hate it? Lawnmowers, that, that <laughs> buzzing sound. Yeah, yeah. Weeder. They hate. So those. unfortunately, the uh, the lady died, and her heirs filed a wrongful death lawsuit against him. And uh, the court said that bees were like wild animals. If if they just come out of nowhere and sting you, you have nobody to sue. Um, But what might cause some liability was there was a a city ordinance that said if she had notified the the wrongful um, bee owner (laughs) um, (laughs) that he had bees, then he would have to remove them within 10 days. Well, that didn't happen. Um, But where the court said he was at fault was probably when he tried to remove the bees that's when he created a duty mm-hmm. to finish the job. And um, so the appellate court had to send it back to the trial court to try that issue. And um, sometimes there's a settlement after that, and so then there's no no judicial opinion to look up. So, But we know that if you're going to do the job, if you're going to remove bees, you have to do a good job. Or else you could create liability for yourself if somebody else is stung or killed. I come on jobs quite often where people have tried to foam the bees in or use wasp spray to get rid of them, and uh, it just won't work. Um, And plus, we, we saw from that bee movie with Jerry Seinfeld that we need bees so that they can pollinate our plants and and what's more important than plants well the animals like the white-tailed deer and and the feral hogs that i like to hunt they eat those plants (laughs) so we need plants for us we need plants for the animals and the bees help all that stuff grow unfortunately that's the end of our show thank you for joining me how much fun thank you so much for having me Todd. yeah and if you're interested in being a beekeeper Contact uh, Charlie B Company at charliebee.com.com. Thanks.